Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Happy Monday, Pete Callender here. Yeah, that was my fault. I had my computer muted. Real professional, Pete. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to me. News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. It is Monday, or as uh, it's now known, uh, the day that follows another Panther loss. Um, was, uh, was this rock bottom for the Panthers? No. I don't think so. I think we have plenty of room left to fall. Um, they lost. I, I did not actually get to see the game at all, and I didn't even think about it. That's never – I don't think that's ever happened to me. I didn't even think about the game, and then it was on, and then it was over, and Christy was like, oh, is there a Panther game? I was like, oh, yeah, there was. I didn't watch it. And I didn't miss anything, even if I did watch it. Like, I wouldn't have seen a touchdown. The Panthers didn't even score a touchdown yesterday. That's kind of sad. You would have looked back in time and seen Jimmy Graham scoring touchdowns on them once again, though. So That's that could awful. have been fun. That's <laughs> awful. It's 28-6. to Loss against the New Orleans Saints. Um, Carolina could not score a touchdown. Couldn't get into the end zone against a defense that had given up an average of 27 points over the last five games. You're playing a team that's giving... 27 points every game on average, and you couldn't score a single touchdown. Bryce Young, our quarterback, benefited from a running game that produced 204 yards. So that was nice to see. Apparently, apparently they're going to go back to trying to run the ball after having abandoned it, as best I could tell, like, the whole season. Um, an aggressive game plan is, by the way, David Newton at ESPN. Um, it was an aggressive game plan that actually allowed our quarterback to take some deep shots to throw the ball down the field, but uh, it, nobody caught him. He doesn't have a lot of pass protection. He got sacked four times. He's been sacked now 48 times. That is the fourth most through a player's first 12 games since 1970. Behind David Carr, Jake Plummer, and Sam Howell. Sam Howell has 54, so he's knocking on the door there. We got four games left, I think, and uh, he's already at 48 sacks. He could be top three. He could do it. We could set a record here, people. He's already taken the most sacks by a Carolina quarterback in a single season. Do you know who had, uh, you know who had the most? He's third. Who's got the most and then the second most? Number one and number two? Ha! Trick question. It's the same guy, Steve Borline. He got sacked 62 times in the 2000 season. Oh, that was, those were dark days. And 50 times the previous year. So he's, he's what, two sacks away from knocking Steve Burline out of the number two slot. This is our sixth straight season with a losing record. Final four games. We're looking at the Falcons, Green Bay Packers, 
Jacksonville Jaguars, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And all of them are going to be competing for a playoff spot. So they actually care. (laughs) They're going to want to win. The Panthers are playing to avoid the worst record in franchise history. I'm telling you, look, people have been looking at this season all wrong. This is a historical season, right? That's how we need to start looking at this. This is history. You're going to remember where you were, just like I remember the 2000 season and base all of the bad seasons after that based on the 2000 season. This season will be the new benchmark, a new moment in history. Yeah, we'll be like the, you know, what is it, the 08 Lions going 0 yeah, 16, yeah. the Browns in uh, 2016 there going 0 16, or 0 and, yeah, 0 and right. 16. So we'll be we're right up there with them. Yeah, we could be mentioned in their company. Like, and don't you want to be remembered alongside Deshaun Kaiser and Dan Orlovsky? Right. Well, here's the thing. Like, we went to the Super Bowl twice. And the first time we went with Jake Delhomme, and nobody ever remembers the game. And it was a great game, although we lost, kicking the field goal out of, out of bounds and then giving the Patriots a short field to work with, and they kicked the field goal and won. But nobody remembers the game. You know why? Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. That was the halftime show. And then the other one, nobody even remembers the last the last time um, we went with Cam Newton because, like, we did, like, nothing. Like, a whole game. It was very boring. It just never got going. That was a tough year for me. That was my freshman year mm. at uh, Carolina, UNC. And after the Panthers, you know, had their magical season, got to the Super Bowl and laid an egg – UNC got to the NCAA championship game um, in basketball that year and lost to Villanova on a uh, buzzer-beating three. So that was tough times for uh, Dark days. for people there. Yeah. But you know what also, though? This could wipe away the 2000 record of, you know, 1-15, in because now we'll be 1-16, in so we'll be even worse. And so now that will no longer be the standard that we judge bad seasons by. And I find it just more than coincidental that one of the figures from that season just died. Van Brett Watkins. The shooter who killed Sharika Adams. Girlfriend of Ray Carruth, who was one of our top draft picks. So as far as Carolina's top draft picks go, Bryce Young's fine. He's not the worst top draft pick. And not even in the second worst. I mean, you got Carruth went to prison for conspiring to murder his pregnant girlfriend and the baby. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, Kerry Collins. He was like, that's the guy who just quit playing. He got here after like a season or two. He's like, oh, I don't want to play football anymore. And then he went and played football up in New York. So, yeah, I'm not taking that personally. Okay. Scott, welcome to the program. Hello, Scott. Hey, I've got a stat for you that I heard on one of the uh, TV talk shows pregame. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but it stuck with me. But David Tepper, of course, was minority owner, part owner, small percentage of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Carolina Panthers have had six coaches since 17, 2017, six coaches. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had six coaches since 1957. <laughs> a little bit of a difference. Right. Well, that's the thing. He keeps, uh, I've heard it said that he keeps looking for a new, uh, uh, What's his name? Mike Tomlin, the the head coach at the Steelers, and that's what Tepper's trying to find. But he's not 
He's not patient enough, apparently, to make it work. I don't know. I, I have no idea what kind of operation. I read that piece at The Athletic, uh, and uh, it, it doesn't seem like a winning culture is being built over there at all. No, I, I wish we could fire the owner. Yeah, <laughs> right? All right, Scott, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. All right, take Bye. it easy. Um, yeah, Van Brett Watkins, the hitman who said he was hired by Ray Carruth. And by the way, Ray Carruth, um, when like the number that the jersey number that he wore, that's why Jerry Richardson gave it to Steve Smith was to try to wipe away the stench of Ray Carruth to kind of reclaim that number. So Van Brett Watkins, 63 years old, died in prison. Um, He was looking at, I guess his release date would have been like 2045. So he would have been in his like late 80s at that point. Um, Watkins said at the murder trial in 2000, and again in a prison interview with the Charlotte Observer in 2018, that Carruth hired him to kill the woman carrying Carruth's baby and to destroy her unborn child too. The baby was Carruth's. The motive put forth by the prosecution at trial was that Carruth was already paying child support for one child by a different woman, and he did not want to pay child support for another. And as I recall, uh, I covered the trial, and as I recall, uh, Van Brett Watkins said that Carruth had told him Sharika Adams was juicing him for money, and he wanted it. Now, to me, like this is the absurdity of the plan. You don't want to pay child support, right, to the to this uh, woman, and so you pay three guys to to murder her and the baby. Do you think they're not going to extort you for the rest of your life? Terrible plan, absolutely terrible plan. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out thanks a lot for hanging out i appreciate it also uh thanks to everybody for your help uh with the uh with the bike drive uh on friday i think we were i think we hit something like 800 bicycles collected that'll then be distributed to local kids in the charlotte region so thank you thank you very much um to all the people that made that possible uh by buying a bike uh by you know volunteering your time and uh, and by working it, you know, the, the event. We really appreciate it. Scott Fowler, writing at the Charlotte Observer, headline, Hitman Who Killed the Pregnant Girlfriend of Former Panther Ray Carruth Dies in Prison. Van Brett Watkins was his name. And um, he was not set for release until 2045, Fowler says. Carruth was released from prison in 2018, uh, approximately 19 years Uh, He served for conspiracy to commit murder. It happened on November 16th, 1999. 
Watkins shot into Sharika Adams' car five times. Uh, this was on Ray Road. They had gone to the movie theater. Ray Carruth and Sharika Adams met at the movie theater. They watched a movie. And then while driving home, this was the prosecution's case. If, again, if I recall correctly, it was that they were driving down Ray Road. Carruth slowed down. And the car driven by, I think his name was Michael Kennedy, and there was another guy in the car, and Watkins was in the car, that pulls up behind them and then gets alongside of her car. So in other words, Carruth blocked her in the middle of the street so she couldn't get around him. And then the hit car comes up on the side and he shoots into the car. She did not die immediately. She got hit four times, and she was able to make a 911 call that saved the life of her unborn baby. Um, she also gave deathbed uh, notes. She made notes, and she said that Ray was involved, that Carruth was involved. And that's, that's what did him in. These are, like, they, I think they call them in the law, excited utterances that are made, like, like at the time. And you can take these into account. Like the defense said, oh, well, we can't cross-examine these notes. Well, no, you cannot cross-examine the notes, but they are evidentiary. Like you can, you can look at them. You can read them. And this is what the woman said as she's dying. This guy, uh, this guy slowed down in front of me and he was part of this attack on me. The baby survived. Chancellor Lee Adams is his name. He's now 24 years old. He was born with cerebral palsy uh, due to the complications from his premature birth. Um, he's been cared for his entire life by his grandmother, Sandra Adams. That's Sharika's mom. Fowler writes, Watkins implicated Carruth as the plot's mastermind in the trial. Yeah, he testified at the trial that this was all Carruth's plan. And... Um, he made some comment, uh, I remember he made some comment about, uh, you know, that Carruth was worse than he was, even though he's got this long rap sheet. And apparently he told the Observer at some point in this interview, in the 2018 interview, that he had murdered four other people before Sharika Adams, but he never said where or who. So don't know if that's just all bluster, because he was kind of this, this kind of guy, this kind of a personality. Uh, he always, he was... He just always seemed a little bit crazy, <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't know if any of that's true. But he said Carruth was worse than he was because he took he took murder as his first charge. That's what made him worse. But that was an interesting, <laughs> was an interesting ethical scale to be running down. Carruth is now 49 years old. He has always disputed, he's denied, that he ever hired Watkins to kill Sharika Adams. What the defense had argued, his lawyer, by the way, was David Rudolph. David Rudolph was, you, you probably saw, uh, like what, uh, Michael Peterson case, the staircase, they did the, the Netflix special about the author, like up in the Raleigh area, I want to say, uh, who was accused of murdering his wife on the staircase. And David Rudolph was his attorney as well. So David Rudolph argued that, no, no, this was a drug deal gone bad. That's, it, was, it was retribution, as Scott Fowler writes, it was violent retribution for Carruth changing his mind about lending Watkins money in a possible drug deal.
But Carruth never took the stand, and Watkins denied that that's what it was about. He admitted he took a plea, right? He admitted that he did all of it, and he and he outlined the whole plan. And then the other two guys also took the stand, and they confirmed what Watkins said. So either all three of them were lying about why Carruth wanted this woman murdered, or, yeah, he did. And that's what I came away with. I'm like, I came away thinking, but yeah, like that's the most plausible explanation. Either all the evidence points to this one guy in the most, uh, uh, you know, twisted coincidence, or he did it. So I went with the most logical explanation was, yeah, he did it. All right, up next, we're going to talk to Brett Jensen from WBT News and breaking with Brett Jensen about uh, a a couple of interviews he did the other night on uh, some problems in CMPD hiring and the polygraph division. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. That music is uh, the theme song to Breaking with Brett Jensen, heard uh, weekdays here on WBT at 7 o'clock. Brett Jensen joins me now. Hey, Brett, how are you, sir? Just fine, sir. Good. All right, so uh, I listened to your um, your podcast at WBT.com. Go check it out. Um, the uh, the podcast from, what was it, I guess Thursday when you had the— Thursday night, Yeah, yes. Thursday night you had— um, Two former CMPD uh, affiliated people, because I'm not sure, I wasn't quite sure the polygrapher or polygrapher um, that you interviewed uh, for CMPD was she actually? I get I, I I understood it to mean that she was a city employee, not a Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer. Was that right? Yeah, I mean she was under the supervision of CMPD and she worked with CMPD, but technically. She was with the city, if that makes any sense. Okay. So, and her name is Lauren Frazier. She and her uh, co-polygrapher, polygrapher, um, David Smolik, they both quit on the same day. Um, I guess, what was this like, what, a week ago or so? Yeah, it was uh, was about um, about almost two weeks ago now. So, yeah, her and Daniel Smolik, they, they, you know, they offered a lot of complaints and they were upset about some of the things that were going on. And when they raised concerns about particular about the standard operating procedures not being followed the immediately cmpd changed the standard operating procedures so now they had to follow the different sop that eliminated the things that they were raising Uh, one of the things she talked about uh as a concern was that um you don't want to have people coming in to take these polygraph tests as part of the recruitment process after they've just done like a physical uh, activity test or something or gone through like this interview process. You want them to be rested so this way it doesn't mess with the machine, right? Correct. And that way you get a more accurate reading because, you know, it does, you know, it does everything from heart rate to, you know, uh, sweat glands, blood pressure, everything, you know, to talk about the changes in the body when giving an answer, which are a lot of times involuntary. And so, because of that, and there were, there was that amongst many other things that were immediately changed, um, despite the concerns that were being raised, and then deciding not to um, provide them with their licensure. So, you know, CMPD used to pay for them to go get their licenses, you know, to renew the licenses and get to get the updated classes. And according to Lauren, that they just said, nope, we're not paying for any of that ever again, and good luck with that. All right, so did you, uh, I know you did, you saw the uh, the press release that uh, CMPD put out after your program, 
they called it setting the record straight. They say WBT Radio aired a show that contained misinformation regarding CMPD's recruitment and hiring practices. Um, they say, look, uh, we continuously evaluate our standards uh, that they meet or exceed state standards, and that's still the case. They still meet or exceed all of the state minimum standards. Um, but this was one of the concerns that these uh, these former employees had, right, was a lowering of the standards in order to fill the vacancies that CMPD, along with like most other police departments, have been suffering. Yeah, you know, and, there, and it's across the board from whether it's a reading level that has now been dropped down to the 10th grade, according to many people familiar with the situation at CMPD, according to many officers there, to whether or not now, and you know, you can have been an avid drug user just as long as you haven't used drugs within the last three years, whether it's heroin or, you know, substance one. And, you know, the thing is, you know, doing some research, uh, heroin, the, the, uh, the rate of relapse with heroin is 80%. Mm. And so if you're an officer surrounded and you make a bust of heroin or cocaine or whatever the case may be, how tempted are you likely to do that if you were just recently off of heroin within the last three years? And then there's, you know, a, a couple of other things that are in there. And so it is, uh, you could have had a small criminal record now. You, um, according to according to Shannon, uh, Finnis and uh, Lauren Frazier, who are both in the studio with me on Thursday night, you could have, you know, a, a DUI, which people get fired for DUIs, but apparently now you can get hired, according to those two. So, but there's a lot of things um, in that statement that said a bunch of nothing. It was a bunch of word salad, but at the same point, there are great contradictories in CM CMPD's statement concerning what these two women had to say, and which I can tell you I've heard privately from other officers, many, many other officers as well. Right. So how bad is the the staffing situation at CMPD? And that's and there was something I was not aware. They they've got quotas, uh, these recruiters that work for CMPD, right? They've got they've got some pretty stout quotas they've got to hit. Yeah, they've got to get at least five into they've got to get five recruits per class, according to Lauren and them, uh, according to Lauren. And if not, then they're put back on patrol. Uh, but in terms of the numbers, the the general numbers that you're that you're constantly hearing from scores and scores of insiders at CMPD is that they're short about 550 officers. Mm. How large? Do you know off the top of your head how large the the police force is now? What it should be? I, well, I think right now, when you do not include, see, there's here's where the numbers get fudged, and I don't want to get into the weeds in this. But you have, basically, you have what your regular officers, and then you have what's called hirebacks. Mm. So Pete Callender was an officer for 30 years. A damn fine one. Tires, yeah. And they can bring you back at no more than 1,000 hours per year. So that's 20 hours a week or just under 20 hours a week. And you're always generally the person in terms of traffic control, game day control, at the uh, Hornets or Bank of America Stadium concerts, stuff like that, you're generally put into very low-level, less stress situations because you're a hire back. You're generally traffic, and so because of that, so you can't count hire backs because they're not full time, and so when you look at just the hiring, there are about 1,350 or so full-time officers, 
And then the problem is, Pete, they basically had around, they were allowed allowed about 200 or 2,000, give or take, mm-hmm. about 2,000 officers. Well, then they lowered their allotment of how many they're allowed to get. So it looks like they're way less short than what they really are. So they said, okay, well, actually, we'll lower to say you're only eligible for 1,800 officers. Even though you were just 2,000 officers, you're now only eligible for 1,800 officers. So then they can say, well, see, we're... We're only you know 300 short, 350 short. We're not the 550 short because we're not allotted as much. And they did that to help cover the numbers to show how short they are. Who and was that CMPD or was that city government that lowered their numbers? city government? Mm-hmm. Yeah, city government, and I think along with CMPD. Yes. Well, and do you know but when that city happened? City government is responsible for the allotment number. Gotcha. Which is what I figured. Um, was this? How long ago did that happen? Was this like in the wake of the defund the police stuff and they, they, they slashed allotments or something? Yeah, I believe it's in that general time. That's okay. when they started. So it wasn't the defund. It was just like they started. That's when they started losing a lot of the police officers and all that right. situation. And you had Braxton essentially want to Braxton Winston essentially want to defund the police. Right. And, uh, you know, cooler heads prevailed. Right. I was just curious if that was like a direct action item that, uh, yeah, that the city council did, or whether it was kind of the response to the uh, the officers leaving. Sounds like it was. I believe, I believe, Pete. I believe it was in response to the officers leaving. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, all right. So, uh, what else from this um, this press release? It says any changes made to CMPD standard operating procedures or directives goes through rigorous reviews, multi layered approval levels before being implemented. CMPD's goal is to capture best law enforcement practices in all standard operating procedures and directives. The polygraph unit, the uh, SOP referenced in the radio program, was recently updated only after consulting with the North Carolina Polygraph Association. Now, if I recall correctly, your guest said that they were not consulted on changing the SOPs. The the two polygraph examiners were not, and but here's the kicker: the woman, Lauren Frazier, is one of the five board members. <laughs> on the North Carolina Polygraph Association, and she is unaware of anyone reaching out to CMPD or CMPD reaching out to anyone on the board. Anyone on the board, or yeah, or well, maybe they just—they're the ones that you know provide the upgrade, the updated changes, and everything. So, you would think she would know if her organization that she's on the board of would have uh, uh, done something with the SOP or was consulted with the SOP for her own department. Right, and there's only five board members. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I know you'll keep following this. I appreciate you making some time for us. I urge everybody to go check out the podcast if you want more of the uh, uh, the details on this. It's at WBT.com. Uh, Brett Jensen, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Anytime, Pete. I appreciate it. All right, man. That's uh, Brett Jensen and uh, Breaking with Brett Jensen on uh, uh, se- at 7 o'clock on WBT weekdays right here. You can also send me emails, Pete at the Pete Callender Show. You can also hit me up on the X Twitter, the Twitter X. At Pete Callender. And that's Callender with a K-A-L-I-N-E-R. Um, got a message from Good Wahoo on Twitter. Most people at Charlotte have no clue how bad the CMPD shortage is. Where I live in South Charlotte, the visibility of police has dropped dramatically in the past few years. The plan to lower standards is just going to lead to an explosion of police corruption cases. We are... Big blue, we are a big blue city now. I hope all the Charlotte cheerleaders over the past 30 years are happy now. Their disastrous Charlotte boosterism 
has set the city on a spiraling decline that won't end until the majority of the Charlotte City Council and heads of the major city departments are tossed out. And this is not likely given the ongoing flood of leftist refugees still flooding the city and region. Yeah, we are. Um, what was I'm trying to remember his name now? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot his Jeff Taylor. Yeah, Jeff Taylor, who used to write a blog for the John Locke Foundation. It was called the Mech Deck. And he used to refer to uh, Charlotte and the boosterism as uh, Detroit on the Catawba. <laughs> and that this was the path that we were going down. And I've asked this question before, you know, why should Republicans or conservatives help to build cities when once the city becomes successful and large, Republicans are no longer allowed a seat at the table. They are no longer able to control the direction of growth or governance. Why, why would you help build cities? My old stomping grounds out in Asheville, get this, the Buncombe County Sheriff's Office wants more money to increase its presence in downtown Asheville because the whole defund the police effort and all the anti-cop rhetoric, police officers quit in Asheville, but then the downtown business district was overrun with like homeless and, and violence and, and crime. So they were like, okay, well, how about we get the sheriff, sheriff's deputies to come in and help police? So now he's like, okay, fine, we'll do this pilot project. So he sends a couple of deputies in there, and now he's like, yeah, we need more money. Gosh, if only the city could hire its own police force. (laughs) 